George, Joe, we're live. It always makes me so happy to see you, Joe. Well, thank you. The feeling's mutual. Yeah, you know, you've you've got one of those faces. You know, you're you're just calming and relaxing. You know, to 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 see you bring a zen to my life that uh, doesn't exist otherwise. And I just, you know, I think it's high time I tell you that. Well, I, I greatly appreciate that. That's, that's, that's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Means a lot. Yeah, so have you figured out which episode number this is? Because technically our third episode was not episode number three or four, as it was originally labeled. So, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the part of the show where I bust Joe's balls. <laughs> which is most of the show. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, this is when I turn, like, different shades of red and... <laughs> I think this is technically episode three, correct? Shit. I think. <laughs> it's labeled as four. Again? <laughs> uh, the last one up. And you know, I, I say we just call every episode episode four from this from this point forward. Oh, so we'll do the four point whatever? Yeah. 4.01, 4.02. Okay. Well, we've got a very cool show tonight. Some awesome Tell us about it. Well, before that, we just got to make sure everybody joining us for the first time, if you like what you're seeing, please hit the like button on the Facebook group and go over to the YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. Uh, show us some love. We'd greatly appreciate that. It's very true. So on that note, so we have many guests on tonight, which is yeah. kind of cool. I know. It's a very cool night. I'm very excited about it. So you're going to let me tell them uh, who is coming on instead of you doing it like you normally do. You're uh -huh, go ahead. <laughs> I won't interrupt you at all. Wow. All right. We got actor and stuntman Ed Gale. Really <laughs> exciting to me. This is Ed Gale. <laughs> and I'm I'll go let ahead. you finish. No, I'm sorry. no, please go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you no, said you were going to interrupt. I, 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 please go ahead. <laughs> We got a great show tonight, and we're going to kick it off with Ed Gale. <laughs> a lot of you tuning in probably know who Ed Gale is. Um, and even though you may have seen some of uh, his work, you may not have known it was him. Uh, he's He's been around the business uh, for a minute, and I'm very excited to talk to him about it. Um, Joe, you want to talk about the, the movie uh, that I got to watch today? Darkness Waits. I'm very excited about that. We've got the, the the minds behind Darkness Waits on the show tonight. Got Libby and Matt. Absolutely. They'll be coming on after Ed. And then we have Mick Strong also. So. Very cool. Very cool. And by the way, that guy knows how to enter a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mick definitely comes in with a bang, huh? Yeah. And I like what you did with the background here a little bit of, uh, you changed up the background here a little bit. Well, Almost I, looks like we're getting budget or something, like we're going into season two. <laughs> well, without further ado, I am going to bring Ed on. Uh, actually, I'm seeing what Ed's doing right now, and I'm going to give him one second. Okay. Well, you know, just a couple of updates real quickly on this end of things. Um, the Veterans Compound is still moving along very nicely. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware of what the Veterans Compound is, uh, it is uh, a, basically a, a film career training program that I've put together uh, for veterans uh, of our military uh, that, that spends several months uh, sort of 
helping them kind of channel a lot of their trauma and things that they've been through uh, into the creative arts, whether it be screenwriting, cinematography, uh, anything from cooking to woodworking um, to any aspect or element of, of filmmaking that you can think of. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the, the program, uh, they actually get real world experience working on a funded feature film that, that uh, not only pays them a wage to work on it, but gives them a percentage ownership of the production. So they've got a little something for the future. Uh, as well as a new skill set and a bunch of hours toward joining, potentially joining a union if that's what they choose to do uh, as they sort of go into a career in film. So we're coming along really nicely with that. Uh, it looks to be in sort of the final stages. I know I said this last time, but final stages often take a long time, especially when it comes to finance. So it looks to be in the final stages of the finance, uh, the finance portion of it. And if all goes well, we'll be opening the doors early in 2020 and bring in our first class of vets to get them going. All right. Now it's my turn to bust his chops. I'm going to get you a pair of eyes. I'm going to put them on your camera. Why? So you can look into the camera. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going in. Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> All right. Now, without further ado, let's get Ed on here. And magic. There's Ed. Ed. Good, how you doing? It's good. I dropped my phone in the water a week ago, and for some reason the earphone's not working, but I can hear you, but I, I want to know how to put you on speaker, but I don't know how to do it with this particular setup. So, Are you there? We're having I'm a little here. bit of... We're having a little bit of audio issues cutting in and out, Joe. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's not on our end. Hmm. Well, Ed, it, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm going to assume that you can hear me. Uh, it's a pleasure and it's an honor to have you. Oh, definitely a pleasure. Pleasure to be on your show again. Listen, you've been, you've been doing this. You've been knocking around this business for a long time. Uh, Howard the Duck, uh, a lot of people I know, a couple of folks, friends of mine have commented about Fantastic Two. Uh, there's some, there's a long list of credits in your career. Uh, and, you know, I think that that's what I'm most excited to talk to you about is, um, you know, the what you've noticed as somebody who's kind of gone through this industry as long as you have uh, with the way things are going now. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear me. There's a lot of some weird noise happening. There's a lot of feedback. I do hear it. Hmm. Yeah, Full body burn, child play. I love the imagery. Um, so you know, I mean, it's it's changed a lot. I haven't been I haven't been doing it as long as you have, but I've been doing it almost as long as you have. And uh, I've noticed a lot of changes in this industry. Um, over the years, uh, and I've noticed those changes not only from the business of it, but just from the people in general. And I think that it's made the world of the sort of fringe or the outlaw independent side of things even more welcoming for folks like me. And as somebody who's worked on some really big things, I, I'd love to know a little bit about what you think about, you know, what's happened over the last few decades. And, you know, do you think it's gotten better or worse? And maybe what are some of the things you think about? with the changes you've seen over these years? 
well, if you're talking to me, um, you know, I retired from film in 2003, and I retired right. from uh, television in 2009. But then what I've noticed now that I'm a, a more of a viewer than a participator, you know, um, there's been an extreme loss of talent. It's all remakes and rehashes and, you know, gory versus horror to me. Horror scares the heck out of you. Uh, thrillers keep you on edge. And gore just makes you close your eyes. And um, a movie that has gore in it is is a gory movie. A movie that has all gore is the absolute epitome of no talent. You have to have actors. You have to have a story. You have to have other things to go with it. You know, being scared to death is one thing, but why am I being scared? You know, you're going to have some meat in these horror films that you and I grew up on, George. And, um... And again, like I said, remakes and sequels and sequels and prequels. and It's changed a lot in that respect. And computer generation. Yeah. Completely the little person. Well, you know, it's interesting because you're right. It is an industry of remakes nowadays and rehashes and all of this other stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, on the one hand, I can understand why the larger studios and the big business of it have made these decisions because these are the things that generate their money. But on the other hand, you know, even these big money generators used to take chances. They used to take risks. Look at Howard the Duck. I mean, Howard the Duck was a risk. And, you know, back then it was not as well received as, as it obviously became over the years. You know, I mean, and, uh, you know, but that was a bunch of people taking risks. Everybody from, from the filmmakers to the studios to the financiers to the actors to the stuntmen to everything, everybody was taking a risk. And nowadays, it's it's like it's all become about getting rid of the risk. And so uh, everybody wants to do what's safe. And the funny thing is that they turn to this gory stuff as a safety net as opposed to taking a risk on, on psychological thrillers or horror-type things more often. And I really like your distinction between the term horror and gore um you know i agree with you there's room for gore in a horror movie um but there doesn't seem to be much room for horror in a lot of gory movies these days all right i know exactly what you mean george um and it's it it, it it's going to suffer and almost like any species of animal or humans or whatever movies films television radio They've all, you know, they said like MTV killed the radio star. No, radio killed the radio star. And, uh, you know, Netflix killed the drive-in. No, the drive-in killed the drive-in. There's no murdering going on in Hollywood. It's all suicide. <laughs> that might be the quote of the day, Ed. <laughs> Listen, you're right, you know, and, and, but I, you know, listen. I think, and I really like this conversation. But I think what's happened is the audiences. You know, I mean, you said you retired from from film in 2013, right? Three. So, oh, 2003. Okay. So, 
you know, there's been this movement, which I'm sure you know all about, of these, of you know, there's a camera or a movie theater in everybody's pocket nowadays. Everybody's phone that records 4K. Everybody's, you know, there's all these cameras out there that allow people to run out, buy a setup, and make a movie. And uh, and they think that, you know, there's a lot of people that seem to think that that qualifies them as a filmmaker. Uh, it, there's a lot more that goes into it, but we live in a in this in sort of a an, a, an evolving society where it's this instant gratification. You know, I was just talking about this today earlier with my son actually. And you know, things like Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that, these were things that were originally introduced with the intention of the creators as being support tools for artists and creators. Now they've become their own validation. So, you know, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. If somebody gets if somebody legitimately earns a million followers on YouTube, more power to them. And I think that what they're doing, they're doing something right. But the reality is that with things like Vimeo and YouTube and all of this stuff, it almost seems like the tools have become the qualifiers, and so now anybody can can put stuff out there, uh, and and you know, and it seems to me that while the studio should be paying a little bit more attention to those places to try to find some talent, it seems to be that they're they did for a while, and now they're not paying so much attention to it. So therefore, we've got this whole sort of other realm of existence um, over here that uh, you know. That's created a new need. That's created a, a new business model, and you know, I think that the business model is being driven by numbers. It's being driven by studios, and it's being driven by people who don't want to take risks. Are you there? He dropped out. I actually muted his mic to see if that was the issue, and that's why he cleared up like the last few seconds. But then he dropped out. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ed Gale. <laughs> I'm sure Ed is going to be coming back. That was his um, speakers, though. It's saying his device is not connected right now. It sounded to me like when I would speak, it would it was coming through all garbled, right, on his end. And there he is. And Ed, your microphone is muted right now, not on my end. It looks like it's muted on your end. There you are. There you are. Yeah. There he is. When I, if I'm not looking down at my screen, it's mute on you. What, what I was doing, Ed, is I was. The mobile version is experimental. But if I. Ed, I was muting it because we were getting feedback from you. So when George was talking, I was muting it, and then I would put you back on while he wasn't talking. Right. Oh, I can do it myself. Either one. Um, okay. Okay. George, I used to, I used to always that um I don't know how old you are, George. It's none of my business. I'm fifty six, and when we were kids and went to the movies, uh, the, the movie would be in the box office all summer, and you know we might have one or two different movies, and you know it was like how much movie did the the movie make this summer, and then it became that month, and then weekend. Now it's how much did it make in its first opening 23 seconds. Oh, it's a failure. <laughs> and by the way, they know how much that's going to be three months before the movie opens now in some cases. You know, I mean, how many times do you see Variety put out articles that says, hey, the new Star Wars movie's already made, you know, 380 bazillion trillion dollars. 
and it's not coming out till December. You know what I mean? So it's uh, you're right. I remember being a kid and going to going to this movie theater where I grew up, and the line would be around the building. And part of the experience was going in the morning and waiting in line to see what early for you to get in and trying not to get people to ruin it or spoil it for you on the way out the doors as they walk past. And that was all experience. That experience doesn't exist anymore, does it? And streaming is not going to kill the box office. As I said, they don't murder in Hollywood. They commit suicide. Box office is committing suicide uh, at $32 a movie. And, Jeez. you know, $12 a soda, you know, and yeah. $12, you know, whatever. I'm exaggerating, but it's it's amazing. And then you yeah. wonder why, why people won't come. But yet Disneyland has raised their prices eight times in the past two years, and people won't stop coming. So you got to have... Well, sure. Know. You know, the business model, the, the theater owner's business model has never changed. Uh, it's always been, you know, the concessions and, you know, the, the theaters get a percentage of ticket sales of every film and then they make their money on concessions. So, but that was always, you know, it, it's gotten so ridiculous and outrageous. Like you said, you know, you can't take a family of three to the movies for less than $120 these days. And, you know, and the experience at the movie theater isn't what it used to be. It's just like everything. It's like fast food nowadays, you know, like you show up, you get your tickets, you go in, you get the popcorn, you sit down, you wait till it's over. And then you try to watch the credits through the sea of people getting up and disrespecting and walking out before they're able, you know, unless it's a Marvel film and they're waiting to see, you know, some post credit scene or something like that, which was actually a brilliant thing that Marvel did, I think, to get people to sit through those long credits. But we used to go to the movies three days a week, my husband and I, and there wasn't five people in the theater. Yeah. And this movie, and this movie, and this movie was new. Yeah. You know, you go at ten in the morning, baby. There's nobody there, no disturbances. But yes, nobody watches the credits anymore. But then television, the credits go by at eight hundred miles an hour. That's true. Well, it's because there's no more. What do you think about the fact that there's no more recognition? You know, back in the day when you were doing this stuff real actively, I mean, you know, you like look at the pictures Joe was putting up of you. I mean, you had you had recognition for what you did. You know, everybody on a crew had recognition for what they did. I remember sitting and watching the credits and and, and seeing the same first AD working on five movies that were in the theater consecutively. And then I'd go out and work on a movie and I'd meet that first AD. And I was almost more starstruck to meet the first AD whose name I'd seen a half a dozen times than I was to meet an actor. You know, but I mean, that had to do with the way I was brought up in the set I was on and everything. But I mean, you you know, it's it's not even like that anymore. It's, you know, I mean, it seems as though all of the risk, all of the, the everything has been so mitigated that it's just about get in, get out, get your content quick, get your burgers here, get your fries over here, and get your movie over here, you know? And I, is that part of why you retired? I mean, were you just done with it? Or was it just, was it, did you see the writing on the wall? Was it going downhill? Um, I, I had just gotten married, so I wanted to spend more time with my husband. Um, he didn't want me to travel, you know, months at a time. Um, I saw that as I was getting tired of the business, the business was getting tired of me, meaning they weren't using little people as much. 
you know, so it's kind of like they weren't calling me and I wasn't answering my phone. Yeah, I understand that. But at the risk of, of saying something that you already said or misinterpreting you, which I do so very well. So do um, I. Instead of uh, at the risk of sounding like, you know, just a whiny person, which I do very well. Um, instead of talking about it like we have just now, rehashing what needs to be done, what what they got to stop doing, what they got to what should be done, what what can be done to save, you know, Hollywood, if you will. Okay, what are your thoughts? Because I know I have mine. Yeah, mine is um, uh, if you haven't written a, you know, a three sequel movie or a four sequel movie. You just wrote a one-hit movie, and then you just come up with the idea because it made so much money. You shouldn't be allowed to make a sequel. You know, if you didn't put your bid in there and say, "Look, I'm like Star Wars. He had, what had nine, you know, thought of, but ET only had one. You don't wait thirty years to make another ET. You know, hopefully, I just think they're going to wait for Steven for Spielberg to pass away, then they're going to make a bunch of ETs." <laughs> sad. I hope he can lock that up somehow in his will, you know. Well, listen, don't don't, don't you... real quick about oh, go ahead. Okay. Is when it says uh, from the mind of Steven Spielberg comes yada yada or George Lucas or whoever. And it's like if it's just from the mind of blah 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 why do you have 300 names on the credits? That's because that's where the minds came from. You know, it was Spielberg's money and Lucas's power. Yeah, thank God we couldn't do anything without him. But Lord, you know, a whole bunch of other people worked on this movie. That's right. Well, listen, Orson Welles, I say this all the time. Orson Welles, uh, my favorite Orson Welles quote is, you know, an artist needs a brush, a writer needs a pen, a filmmaker needs an army. You know, and, uh, you, you know, and, and I, I've tried very hard uh, over my career to, to never be the type of person who even thinks that I deserve half the credit for anything. Even if I write a script or whatever it is, you know, it's it's not it might be something I wrote and sure I might be directing it. But I'm only at the end of the day when I'm on set, I'm only a piece of the puzzle. But I think that, that that's largely because. I still run my sets the way the way that sets were run when I was learning and growing up. And um, well, no, you know. I, I think if you wrote a director, you know, produce whatever, it should be a George C. Romero film because you right. made it. Absolutely. You didn't, you didn't necessarily make it happen. Maybe you did, but you made it. So but no. at the end of the day, I'm only one. I'm only. I'm not even one hundred. Of the, of the puzzle on set. You know, there's a hundred people running around doing things that I couldn't put a script that I wrote into a camera without. Yeah, but you, you, you're the cog that made the wheels roll, you know. And another thing I think, we lost, when I say Hollywood, I say we, that's ridiculous. They lost control of Hollywood when the actors could determine when they went to work and if they wanted to do the scene today or not. When the actors were handed any power whatsoever, Hollywood was over. So you're saying back when the studios like stopped 
basically controlling their lives. Yes. If I'm paying you $15 million to do a movie, bitch, you're taking me to work. You're driving me to work. <laughs> and I love you. If I pay you $125 a week, I won't even feed you. But if I pay you $15 million, you know, I'll buy you a car. I'll buy you this. We'll do you that. No, no. Here's $15 million. You get yourself to set. <laughs> if we're going to fight in New Jersey, you get your, your own self in New Jersey. With $15 million, I think you can afford a ticket. Not sure, you you pay I your own assistance. <laughs> I have no filter, and I have no, no for the people who are making, you know, bajillions of dollars. You know, and um, yeah, man, I'm right there with you. You know, I don't think that anybody in our industry is worth that kind of money. You know, I think people who get paid that kind of money to do what we do for a living, uh, I think they they perpetuate this idea of this fucking rainbow world that everybody seems to think that we live in. It's not the case. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know, it's one thing I, I said before, um, and I only mentioned Donald Trump because I worked with him on a film, not because of his, his political standing. But they want to um, harp on, you know, oh, he's committed, committed, um, what's the word? Not committed. File. Bankruptcy four times, eight times, whatever. Filing bankruptcy is a financial decision. It's not a desperate act. That's right. You know? I, I, I said, um, in my, my financial people always told me, you know, never think of bankruptcy. But then again, me making a thousand a week versus a million a week is a big difference. But anyway. That's right. Um, I want to harp on people and say, oh, my God, you know, you, you, you wait until when it comes my time. I'm going to be broke on paper. <laughs> and my husband will invent, uh, will, will inherit nothing. And he will not pay any inheritance taxes. Sure. Because he will already have owned before I go. Sure. You know, and people are going to say, oh, he died broke. Get a life. Well, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't think about is their future, you know. And, you know, I guess my question, uh, here's an interesting question. Like, back in the day, when you were when you were doing this nonstop, you were going everywhere, you were working for three and four months at a time, uh, off around the world, world trotting and doing all like, big, these big movies and stuff. You didn't think about your future like that, did you? You just kind of were in the moment, right? And that's something interesting when, when it comes to the Indie Brigade is actually talking about future plans for folks like us who are stuck in sort of this world, this life of being permanently creative, you know? Uh, what a lot of people don't realize, we talked a little bit about this on the last episode, was that once we sell a film, it's only for between seven and 12 years. At the end of that period, we get our rights back and we sell it again, and that's our version of a 401k. What you're talking about now is more of like planning for your future, planning for, you know, retirement, planning for, you know, when you leave this industry. And it's interesting because that's that's an interesting insight that I, I'm sure a lot of filmmakers, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure you know full well from personal experience. When we get into this, we don't we fly by the seat of our pants. We think, ah, I'll worry about the future in the future. You know, I'm here to just make I, art. I, I, I never did personally, George, but I saw it. I saw a lot of it because 
uh, you remember, I don't know if they still do or not, but we used to get per diem, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of cash to live on while we were away in location. And everybody had this rule that you had to spend all of your per diem. You had to rent limos and you had to live high on the hog. And then when the movie was over, you go back and live with mom and dad. <laughs> I saved all of my movie money and I lived off of my per diem. Yeah. You know, I had great, I had great a- agents and they would always say, look, he's three foot tall. You won't help him. He has to hire an assistant. So I would make 50 to 75 a day in per diem. Sure. You know, um, the Japanese were wonderful. They gave me 400 a day per diem. Jesus, I don't think they paid me 300 you know, for the actual show. And you but would just, I and would, you would pocket that away. I, I was born Alex P. Keaton. I really was. And I read the Wall Street Journal. I didn't read the others. You know, I knew I was going to be an actor. I didn't know how, but I just knew I was. And, um, you know, I just, I was, because I think I was so scared. Um, I was so scared of dying as far as in the business. As the Bette Midler song, uh, The Rose, it, those are too afraid of dying or, you know, don't get to live. That's right. And I, I didn't. I didn't travel the world. I traveled the world on a film. I didn't travel the world on my dime. Right. I never did. And, and I never knew when the next money was coming through. You know, because I would go, hell, there was years that I didn't go two or three weeks without working. Then there was a year I went with 10 months without working. You know, almost yeah. had a heart attack. It literally was in the hospital. And I'm like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. And today, today, my husband and I, we've been together 17 years. And we live in, an, in our RV. We sold everything. And no stress, no drama. And we have enough money to live, you know, four lifetimes. Because we don't spend any of it. We don't have, you know, millions. Plural, we have enough. But it doesn't cost us anything to live. Yeah. You don't need it. I mean, look, we don't need all the. I don't need 20 Bentleys. Hell, I don't need one Bentley. You know what I mean? Like, I need a new brake, a table saw. Like, those are my big life ambitions and goals. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to be happy. You know, when I I grew up in Pittsburgh and I moved out to LA a long time ago and I spent a long time, a lot of time out in LA growing up. Um, and, uh, you know, it was this weird life that I led. I was never, you know, I, I was never a big, huge, successful guy, but I was never somebody who didn't get noticed either. So I was in this weird sort of tier of people who do what we do for a living. And I spent all this time in this business thinking one way and being programmed by the industry to think a certain way. Uh, when that thinking was the complete opposite of what got me out there in the first place, which was, it was the, the thinking that they program you to, to, to think is the shit that you spend years of your life uh, fighting against thinking coming up. And it's what makes you unique and independent and outlaw and fringe and all the other words people have used to describe me. And then you go out there and, and you spend enough time in it and you start thinking that that's the way business is done and that's the way life is lived. And you forget that all of that is bullshit. And when I left L.A., I, I left L.A. with one duffel bag and my dog. 
And uh, I went to my friend's uh, farm in North Carolina, my best friend's farm in North Carolina. He's a musician. And he was about to head out on, on a road tour, like a road show to make some money for the year. And I went with him and we hit 48 states in 15 weeks or something like that with nothing, wow. nothing, just what could fit in a duffel bag. And man, it was the most cleansing experience. And it was a reminder of where I came from. And it was a reminder of coming up with nothing, being raised by my mom with, you know, the whole thing. And, and, and we just don't need it. And I think what you just said that you guys are doing, you and your husband, I think that's beautiful. I think that that's a beautiful way to live. And I think that it sounds like you guys have your happiness set as a priority in life. And this business and this, this choice of career and profession, it works hard to take that happiness and shift it and fuck it all up. And the fact that you found yeah, it I, and I, you got it. I don't know what kind of a house you have, George. And, um, it is what it is. But we have a kitchen. I assume you have a kitchen. Um, yes, we have to turn sideways to pass each other. And maybe you don't. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically a four-bedroom, two-bath tour bus. Yeah. And, you know, you probably got three or four baths, whatever, whatever you need. But it's like a car. What's the difference between a Volkswagen and a, and a Bentley? Nothing. Four tires, steering wheel, window cranks, or window buttons now. But you know what I'm saying. Leather, whatever, whatever. What's the difference? Difference somebody set the rule up that Bentley is worth four million dollars. That's right. And a Volkswagen is worth forty-eight bucks. You know, somebody set up the rule. You know, and it's like I don't know. We just don't. I don't live by that 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 drum, if you will. Yeah, and I think that that's beautiful. I can listen to it once in a while, but I don't live by it. Listen, that's the point I'm trying to make. You know, we have to find our happiness. You know, and and a lot of us who've been knocking around this business as long as you have been, as long as I have been, um, you know, it it takes a piece of that from you, and you've got to fight to get it back. And you reach a point in life where you realize it's important. And you know, um, like, I, look, I'm I'm working on some, some very big things. Uh, movies are secondary to all of it. Uh, the biggest thing I'm working on is my veterans compound that I spoke a little bit about before. Yes, it makes movies, but at the end of the day, the entire thing is designed to help our veterans. Um, and then I've got a small family wood shop that I run out of our single car garage. Uh, and we do production design and prop design and all that stuff. But I'm teaching, I'm teaching the boy how to build stuff, how to make stuff with his hands, how to be a craftsman and a tradesman. And all of those things, as well as how to start and run a small business. Those are the important things. All of them, we got into this business because it's fun. And it's supposed to always be fun, right? So how do you keep it fun? You've got to be happy. If you're not having fun, you're doing the wrong thing. That's right. And uh, people ask me, they say, you know, oh, I want to be a movie star. Oh, I want to be a this. And I go, why? You know, he's, oh, the money and the women and the chicks. <laughs> and I, he said, do you, do you think I can ever do it? And I said, no. Because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You might get a big film, you know, and you might get that, you know, get the chicks for a minute and get all that and all that, but you'll just be end up broke at the end. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. That's right. You know, if you just if you're doing it just to make your mother proud, you're not going to make her proud because she's not going to be happy. That's right. She'll be proud of you that you made yourself happy. That's and right. Take her back a house, you know. <laughs> well, so now tell me this. 
Here's what I want to know, and here's what I think I want some of our, our viewers to know. Um, back in the day, like in your heyday, what was it like? What was the experience like of being on a film set for some of those films? Some of the films you've worked on are some of the biggest, most iconic films in history, and uh, and especially in pop culture history. And I would love it if you could kind of talk a little bit about some of your personal experiences on set that that you loved, that made you keep doing it, that the stuff that that, that made you want to keep going and keep doing it. What was it like on set back then as opposed to when you decided to retire? I think it was the same. It, you know, it didn't change that drastically. Um, uh, I mean, the other actors treated me wonderful, like, you know, a fellow actor. Um, you know, I began to develop fans. That was interesting. Uh, all the producers and directors, you know, uh, tried to screw me every at every turn. Um, I was cordially un uninvited to the premiere of Howard the Duck. Um, Wait, what? Seriously? I don't know this story. Yeah, no, no, I was uninvited to the premiere. They didn't want anybody to know that Howard the Duck was a little person, like they were idiots, like nobody would have known. Um, and um, the, the irony was at the um, toward the end uh, of my career, some of the producers came out and said, oh my God, you know, Ed Gale saved our life on Howard the Duck. Without him, we couldn't have done it. Without it, before that, I didn't exist. And, um, you know, it was just, and a lot of them will put my name as stunts like Chucky. My contract says, you know, the role of Chucky. And so the Screen Actors Guild holds them to that to pay my residuals. But they put me down as stunt double so as to discredit me from being Chucky and also to only have to pay stunt residuals. But SAG uses the contract. They don't use the, the credits. So right. you can say so, that I, I was a stunt double, but why are you paying me residuals, you know, star residuals? That, <laughs> so that's, that's right. My, that's my, that, that's my uh, revenge, you know what I mean? But that's some shitty stuff that people are notorious for doing in this business. You know what I mean? They, they work your ass off. They, you know, while you're on set, they're, they're, everything's this, everything's sunshine and rainbows. And then at the end of the day, they try to, they try to do you dirty like that by, by, you know, trying to go through those sad loopholes, you know? And I, thank well, God that SAG does look out for, for members the way they do. You remember Debbie Lee, right? Little person? Yeah. She passed away a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she played uh, Tiffany and Chucky. Yep. Um, Another movie, which I'm not even going to mention, uh, sent her out of the country to some, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say third world country, but it wasn't a wealthy country. And I wouldn't go. I said, no. No, 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 no. Um, nope. And so she went and she was on set. Let's say she was there for a month, two months. And she was on set like eight days. They had it on hold most of the time. They only wanted to pay her for the days that she was on set. Yeah. Which is about yeah. as illegal as you know that. Yeah. 
I did a movie uh, that I won't give away any uh, detail. But... Was not on the original poster. You, there was all kinds of weirdness there. What was that you said? Uh, Willow. Warwick Davis was not on the original poster of Willow. No, I know. Little people don't get that kind of credit or that kind of thing. But it's the dedication and the passion that we have that we'll still do what we need to do to get done what needs to get done. Well, sure. It's a dedication and, to the art of it. If I didn't have this, I would work. I would work with. I would only do just do George C. Romero film cuts, and I'm that's <laughs> as far as I can be. Well, listen, we can work with that. <laughs> you could work with that. You know, you get. You know, you're getting the phone call, right? You know, you're getting the phone call. So won't take it. So, and I'm on disability. So okay. All righty. Well, no, you're going to get the phone call. Joe, you Joe's popped up. I'm told that when Joe popped up, I'm supposed to stop what I'm doing. I, I, didn't, see any of the chat. I didn't see any of the chat. Were people talking? Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next thing. Joe, do we have time to basically see if anybody wants to ask any questions? I was bringing them up, and Scott Lake was saying, hi, Ed. And... That's not a question. Love you, Scott. Well, there there are more statements and questions actually. Gregory Marks, being open-minded and generous to others is happiness. Um, yep. I'm assuming that's supposed to be a true legend. Uh, that's a good friend of mine, Simon. And Chuck Daniels, Taylor. How many of my favorite films Ed has been in? Legend. Chuck. Thank you. And let's see, Christopher Ward. You don't remember. Awesome to see. Oh well, thank you, Christopher. Now you're making me put my glasses on. Uh -oh. There we go. And we have Hope Fletcher, who said hi. And um, I, Gregory, saying boo boo. Oh, that's Gregory, my buddy. Uh, um, there's like a gazillion comments here. So if I went through all of them, um, we'd be here all night. Well, can I go back and look at it? You can go back and look at them. Yes, you uh, can. Well, some of them, I have access to them, the ones on Facebook and YouTube. So it depends on where you go. I'm going to want to see how YouTube came out. But I know my speaker. I don't. I don't understand why my speaker would mess you guys up. Because my microphone is fine. You know, when I talk on the phone to people. Right. The I second. The second I mute you, I the feedback me. noise is gone. Hmm. See, not... it's like right now I have them muted, and you can't hear any of it. The feedback is us coming through whatever is on whatever speaker he's using right. so yeah but anyway it's been a true pleasure to have you here Ed. and we're definitely great. gonna have to do it again yeah absolutely we could probably spend a, two hours with Ed this, has been, this has been a pretty big deal for me Ed. so it means the world to me that you came on here tonight maybe we can do it again for real this is practice everybody 
Absolutely. It's an honor to, you know, just be in the same virtual room with you. Not at all, man. I'm telling you, this has been a big deal for me. I'm seriously intrigued. So I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. And, uh, you know. We we both get called legends, but I have to look up to see you. Come on now. You're still getting, you're getting that phone call. You're going to have to turn me down like on a personal phone call. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'll show up. I'll find where you're driving that RV and I'll show up. I was built for kissing butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Listen, you have a great night. Thank you for coming on. I will be in touch with you, Ed. Thank you very much. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. One thing we got to do, Ed, I apologize. Where can the fans find you on social media? Oh, I'm terrible at this part. You what, honey? Where can they find where can the fans find you on social media? I'm right here. Oh. Um Facebook on Ed Gale. And um Instagram real dot ed dot gale. Everybody can find anybody who's already found me, they're the only ones that need to find me. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Let's do it again. Absolutely. Definitely. See ya. Oh, that was cool. That was really cool. That was kind of a big deal for me. Howard the Duck's a big deal in this house. Our right on. Team, you know, I mean, he's like, he's all about the Howard the Duck. Hey, unfortunately, with the, the echo and feedback, I mean, you could basically hear what was going on. It was a little, uh, I, I think people can get over it. Um, you know, but- I think that's just bad producing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gee, man, you went red. You went red quick. <laughs> we're we're going to play a little game. Read my mind. <laughs> I got some candy. <laughs> oh, you know, we're going to ha- eventually have to disclose that joke one day. One of these days. There's an actual bag of, of candy here on my desk that I, I keep threatening uh, Joe with. But that's for another episode. That, that definitely is for another episode. Um, we'll reveal the bag of candy when we hit 2,000 subscribers. Oh, and speaking of which, now that we have everybody's attention and we have some viewers on here, please, if you like what you're seeing, go to our Facebook page, hit the like button, go to YouTube, hit the sub- subscribe button. See, you got me flustered now with the whole subscribe. producing thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I try to do. So... So and anyway. also, when we hit a thousand subscribers, uh, we're going to be giving, uh, we're going to be having a, a, a giveaway uh, for something that uh, that every filmmaker can use that I have designed. Uh, it's based off of an existing film industry product, um, but I've designed it ba- uh, my own version based on my own experience and uh, uh, our wood shop, our production design and and wood shop uh, McKim Wooden Leather is going to be making uh, one of these things and giving it away. So. Uh, we need to get a thousand subscribers, uh, and we'll do that. So, we've got two people up next that are involved with this movie. Awesome! Yes, I love sir. The poster. It, isn't that a cool poster? Awesome! It's seriously cool. What are you doing here with this window? I don't. Is this just a third window, or are you just? I don't understand what's happening. I guess I don't need to. I'm just here to talk to folks. That's why I produce. 
Never mind. Oh, <laughs> man. I said that on the inside of my brain, not the outside. <laughs> right on. Well, without again further ado, we're going to bring Libby and Matt up, who I have muted because I was trying to trace the problem and apparently we did but anyway i'm sorry guys welcome thank you for joining us george guys thank you for coming on thanks for, oh, thanks for having us yeah how's it going good good how about <laughs> yourself uh you know not bad so i watched your movie today and uh, i think it's great and i want to jump right into it and i want to ask you guys all about it and i want to know um how long it took you to shoot it. I want to know where you shot it. I want to know what your budget was. I want to know if it was a good experience or a bad experience. And I want to know uh, who and wh whose ass you wanted to kick and why. Well, the whole thing is you got to realize that pre-show, Libby kind of said she may be a little shy and Matt is kind of the same way. Stop so it right now. Stop it. You're going to have to break them. No being shy. Damn it. We're good. <laughs> I'm good. Shit. Um, seriously, no. Uh, tell me about your experience. Tell me about the film. Where did the film come from? What was the creative behind the movie? Let's start there. Well, the film came from John Taylor, the writer, who's a good friend of ours. Okay. Um, and we've been trying to make movies our whole lives, basically. Um, and these last two with us, Libmatic Films, um, Dead Woman's Hollow and Darkness Waits, they are spun off of each other. One was basic, the first one, Dead Woman's Hollow, was based on a true story. And the second one was more, I would say, like, it's a spin off, it's fictional. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you said you've been wanting to make movies your whole lives. Why did you yeah. want to make movies your whole lives? Let's, let's go back here. Let's tell me about your childhood. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, you want to make movies your whole lives. That's that's a definitive statement. Yeah, video cameras, trying to capture things, uh, capture lives, tell stories, um, uh, have fun. Definitely. I mean, it seemed, always seemed like a fun thing whenever I was young. What kind of um, things shaped you and molded you? What 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 did you watch or see that made you say, "I need to pick up that video camera"? What kind of movies got to you guys? Uh. The Last Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> You're mad yeah, for my own last dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, Matt. Like, lot all the when I was little, anyway. The '80s action movies, you know, uh, Chuck Norris, Schwarzenegger. I just all that stuff. Not so much anymore, but you know. What do you mean not um, much anymore? Come on, you know you turn on missing in action, like. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so now um, you make now you make horror movies, and this is your second one. So, uh, what are some bit? How about this? What is a huge difference between your first film and your second film? What's something that you? What's like a, a catastrophic lesson that you learned from your first film that you did not repeat on your second film? There's a good question for people watching. Or drink some coffee. Well, I definitely think that the first time I made a movie, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to try. Um, and I had all the expectations of thinking I could do it in a certain amount of time, and that did not happen. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and then, and it, it was a bunch of tests of um, just like, if it had happened then, it wouldn't be what it is now, even though it took a year and a half and I thought it could take two weeks. Um, with my second movie, it was like, I knew I could do it. And I was like, I'm definitely gonna wait till everything feels right. <laughs> so everything falls into place. And then it took from script to screen five years on that. So yeah, it's crazy how long it takes, right? <laughs> like this one right here, I've been I've been putting this together for the better part of a decade, you know, like my dad and I were supposed to do it together and now that you know, that ain't gonna happen. But uh it, it you know, it takes forever this stuff. And you you know, so 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 you said this took you five years from script to screen. How long once you started filming? How long were you in principal photography? How long did you shoot? Well, we had the, I think we had the script probably for about a year mm -hmm. before we even started. Yeah. And John, the writer, he, he wrote it more so with a, like an actual budget in mind, which I will say ended up not happening at all or even coming close. So we were sitting on this script for a year and finally we were like let's let's just see if we can do it i mean you saw it that our cast is pretty i mean we have a lot of people involved for the most part especially the main cast mm -hmm. um, so that even took a while to cast you know not to be cliche sounding but you know this was really low budget everyone involved pretty much volunteered their time um so it was kind of hard to cast that way, especially looking for college age, student age actors. Um, and the majority of them have never even acted in movies or acted at all. Uh, so yeah, that I would say it then took three, I think three summers, because it was a summer based movie and we would go into fall here and there. But yeah, about three summers to finish all the shooting. Wow. So, so okay. So continuity had to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. Uh, I mean, different days, my, different winds, different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But times plus three years of of different people evolving and yeah, you know, yeah. things happening to them and wow. life changing them. So basically, you produced the hell out of this film. <laughs> yeah, produced the most. Hear that, Joe. <laughs> Were you muted? Look at me, he's just turning red. He's not even talking. <laughs> you know, as as a bad producer, uh, <laughs> what I forgot to do, and I, I do apologize, is I forgot to play the trailer. So I am going to do that right now. All righty. Well, that sounds great. I just watched the film today and uh, it's I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm going to let this trailer play and not talk anymore. And I'm going to grab some coffee.
And just for shits and giggles, we're going to do the same thing again with audio. Oh, I was wondering if that was happening. Who's Leroy? A local folklore. A mountain man uh, living in caves along the trails. He walks in the shadows. Appalachian's version of the angel of death, except uh, carrying a rifle instead of a scythe. Oh my god, Jeff. Where is this place? It's not much further. The big bad wolf is still out there, and you're acting like the mayor of Amity Island who won't close the beaches. The big bad wolf isn't going anywhere. That's a fact. Anybody hear me? Gentlemen, follow Rose. Gentlemen, follow Rose, please. This, this is happening again. Darkness. Darkness waits. All right, so George, you missed it. I played that whole thing the first time muted because of the issues we were having with <laughs> earlier. So no, we I, didn't, played... I didn't miss it. Oh. <laughs> but see, this is why we have so much fun here and we can laugh at each other, right, George? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. it was, so it was just a goof or what? Because we're all good now. Yeah, we're all we're we're all good now. <laughs> so, so three years, three summers, uh, all of the challenges inherent with that time frame. Um, so what's what's next? I guess here's a question: What's next? And uh, do you think that you will try to do it on a more truncated sort of timeline? Um, you said that you didn't have a budget for this. Do you, you, how literally do you mean that? Well, I mean, I will say that overall expenses and everything, it probably still fell under like 10,000. You got a feature in the can edited with an awesome poster, a great trailer and a full film from front to back for under $10,000. That's something that most people can't do you've now breathed a, a, a producer friend of mine once told me he said you know enjoy every minute that you get to spend on set because you're breathing rarefied air that not everybody gets to breathe you guys are now breathe that rarefied air if you subscribe to that right yeah. so yeah so that's got to make you feel good right like you walk on a set and people do what you say and it's all about your vision getting out there of this script and getting it done the way you want to get it done I mean, you know, like this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And congratulations because you guys have done something that a lot of people can't do. Thanks. Yeah, it means a lot yeah. coming from you. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, right. no, man, look, you know, I mean, what we have to do, like a, 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 these films and, and these, these low and no budget films that we all do, um, you know, most of the time it's like you're dragging them across the finish line, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So where can people see this film? What's the what's the deal with it? What's the story? What's your goal for it? Well, currently, um, we had a premiere about in the beginning of August at our local theater, and so you know most everyone that was involved was able they were able to come out to see it, and then we had a second showing just I think two weeks ago at the same theater. So right now that's about the only time that any, well, it is the only time anyone has seen it besides you guys and um, a few other close friends. But uh, yeah. I submitted to some film festivals and um, I'm kind of waiting to see if I hear anything back on that. But like, I honestly like thought I needed to have that figured out before I talked to you guys, but I don't have that figured out yet. <laughs> You don't have to have anything figured out before you talk to me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't want to miss this opportunity. I mean, obviously, I don't. Hell, what day is today? Friday? I still don't have today figured out. <laughs> you know, so well, after that, it'll with probably... Video on demand, we just, I feel like we just have to flip the switch whenever we, whenever we feel like ready. We just got the rights back to our first movie, Dead Woman's Hollow. So now we can also think about doing something with them together. Okay. Um, and separate too so like doors are kind of opening and we'll, we're trying to figure out where to go <laughs> Which well, that's very cool you know that's one of the things about the indie brigade is that you know i'm not sure if joe broke it down for you yet but we've got a, a small facebook secret community that we're putting together as well uh that's for guests of the show and friends of the show uh and the idea is that while it's still small right now we've only had a few episodes so there's not that many members the idea is that we're going to grow this into an actual collaborative community where filmmakers musicians artists creatives business folks we can all come together in sort of a no trolls zone and actually collaborate and and try to get some stuff done together um and and that goes for everything from the creative behind a project all the way through the business and sales and marketing of it um, so, you know, I, I think that it's really good that you got, how long, how long was your sales contract on, on, on the first film? Five, 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 years. five years. So you just got the rights back on that. And, uh, so you're just kind of sitting on those rights now until you figure out the next step. Yeah. I mean, it's just now happening. Like we just basically, you know, got it pulled down and we're trying to figure out how to get everything back up. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Uh, and so uh, you're you're definitely going to be putting these things these two things out together, and people will be able to look for that probably early next year sometime. I would imagine. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I do have to bring up that uh, Scott Schiaffo is here. Hey, yeah. the cat who played Mayor Scruggs rocks. Zing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, that was a dream come true working with him. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Tell us about that. Tell us about working with him. Well, it was like probably the closest thing to um, what I would consider um, like a, as a real working set. Because <laughs> usually we just grab people and take them out in the woods, and you know, it's me and him and the camera and sound, and maybe one person helping us. But yeah, you know, it was you know we had call times and <laughs> chain location <laughs> changes. I mean, it was just. And yeah. working with him is amazing too. Yeah. Um, I, what, I, I didn't feel nervous around him at all. He was just a hard worker and we powered through and we got some amazing moments. That's great. Well, he was great. And, people. and what? 
I got to feed everybody. That was a dream. <laughs> what do you mean that's a dream of yours? Are you like a foodie and a? No, I mean, just like I, most of the time it's like here, there's bananas. If you guys, there's water. If you guys need anything. It's oh, you mean you actually had like caterers yeah. and food and yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah. Hey, look, I got some good pieces of advice when I started out in this business. One, it's the only town in which you can die from encouragement. And two, uh, a, a well-fed crew is a happy crew. Um, you know, and I, I think I could probably count on one hand the number of pieces of advice that I got that have stuck with me, but those are two of them. So that's really cool. That's really <laughs> awesome. So what's next? What's your next project? What's going what's going on? And how do how do people work with you and find you? And like what's the deal? Well, I mean, as far as a feature, we're not too sure. We have some ideas. Um we may actually I would love to do a short. Yeah, do do a, sh a couple shorts um, to be able to, you know, keep being creative and actually be able to finish something in a reasonable amount of time. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, I pretty much I pretty much did everything from the shooting, editing, the sound mix, the color grading. So it, you know, it. It just took a year and a half <laughs> or more. But that's with working a full-time, you know, day job and all of that. Makes sure. Sense. But, Absolutely. I got a question, if I may. Uh, I mm -hmm. was uh, actually chatting with Scott last night, and he mentioned that he's still growing his hair. Does yeah. that <laughs> mean anything to you? Yeah. So after – so he came and shot with us on the weekend, and – Ever since he went back to Jersey, he hadn't got a haircut, so he's just been growing it. Um, he was supposed to encourage us, I think, to finish the movie. Yeah. And then I, I don't think I'm going to finish the weekend. And oh, he's in. Jersey, he hadn't got a haircut, so he's just been growing it. Scott, turn um, your speakers down. And then I don't think I'm going to finish the movie. Oh, the attorney. Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me? Scott, Is it feeding back? Is that the problem? Yeah, much better. Much better. Scott. I need I guess. How the hell are you? Jeez, look at that hair. What is going on? How's it going, man? Thanks for jumping in. Hey, Scott. Hey. Hey. I'm good. Good. Thanks for jumping in here. Listen, when Joe reached out to me and uh, told me about tonight, I, I had some other commitments that I tried to juggle, but I wanted to be here because I love those two guys. They seem Thanks, like man. Folks. Yeah, they yeah seem definitely. Like, they seem like Likewise. people who do this because they they have no other choice but to do it. And that's really cool. Making my first movie taught me basically how to live again. Like I, I feel like there's there's a definite message in it for everybody, for the whole world. That's <laughs> and a I huge, learned that's a huge statement. That's another huge definitive statement. What do you mean it taught making your first movie taught you how to live again? Yeah. Do you have to you have to every, just every, just putting every piece of the puzzle together, guys. They, I, I hate to interrupt. I really do. Because what you have to say is so freaking cool. 
Can you guys see us? Mr. Pumpkin. People joining us. Hey. You're a little hey. chubby. Hey, guys. guys. <laughs> you Very chubby. Oh, we apologize. Who's going to show up? <laughs> hey, we, we just draw you. the stars. Yeah, you know? how are you? <laughs> We're here with the great donkey himself. What's up, citizens? Superman. <laughs> no, it's, it's, everybody assumes that it's stupid, oh. man. I'm, I'm not super. I'm stupid. <laughs> oh, uh, the, the, the feed. I love it. You guys are coming in from David's party. We got this is awesome. <laughs> up here in the, in the woods of Pennsylvania. We wanted to say hello to you guys. Oh, really happy. Thank Dead Woman's We wouldn't have the movie we have without you, David. That's for sure. They disappeared. Now he's the invisible man. Now there's a tiny Jack Skellington. <laughs> <laughs> we had David on uh, last ep the last official episode. He's great, great guy, great cat. Love talking to him. I think it's super cool. Brian stopped in there with him. And man, this is just awesome. So anyway, back to what what's going on and what we're talking about. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Um, tell me about just wanted to say hello. <laughs> Why did they get green screened out? What is going on there? Uh, Dave, you're you not green. Okay. <laughs> Don't you dare blame this on production. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say a word. All right. Scott, you still there? I'm here. <laughs> so Scott, so Scott, tell us about tell us about this experience in your life. Tell us how you got involved with Darkness. Wave. I'm here. Tell us, uh, you know, first of all, welcome to the Indie Brigade. Formally, uh, it means a lot to me that you popped in here, and it means I know it means a lot to these guys. So maybe just break it down for us real quick. How did you get involved with this whole thing? I'm getting the, the questions and everything's repeating over and over again. So I, I can you hear me? Yes. It was David Madison. I can answer that. I met uh, I met Libby and Matt a number of years ago through the convention circuit, through David Madison, and uh, we I saw the first film, and I was very impressed with the first film. And when it came time for the second one, Libby had approached me and told me about this, the mayor uh, role, and we discussed it. And I, I knew they had a lot of passion, and I knew that they were uh, sort of, they, they had the spirit to where they were going to make it happen. And she did a very good job. They both did a very good job with the first film. So... It was really easy to sign on with them because I, you know, I tend to, if I like the, if I like the character and I like who's making the film, I'm in. Yeah. That's it. That's the way to do it. 
Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we can quote you. Try yeah, it, and now I'm, I'm hearing my answer like from the beginning again. Look at the smiles on these two. I mean, <laughs> you like affected these guys' lives. I'm here because I love these two guys, and I didn't want to miss it for the world. You knew that I, I had a gig. I actually got to get back. Hey, do you? It means the world that you uh, that you came. So I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Thank you. I'm going to drop him down. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Very cool. Well, Scott and I discussed that last night, and then at the last moment, he's like, man, they're running over on time, so I'm not going to be able to make it. So that was even a surprise to me, him reaching out and doing that. But And then David coming on. <laughs> hey, David apologized. He said that uh, they tried, um, but I, I guess it was the phone or wherever they were at in the party. I'm sure the party had something to do with yeah, it. They're partying. Yeah. <laughs> We've been there, we know. <laughs> but unfortunately, we're we're out about that time where I got to bring our next guest up. I don't know, George. We may need to get like less guests and more know. quality time with some guests. Yeah. Maybe make me go back down that road again, Joe. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we come back whenever we get it ready to. Actually, the Please do well. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna be Joe to it this time. Tell everybody who's watching where they can find you, where they can find what's up with your movie, where they can find you on social media, and how to follow you and and, and get the updates on your film. Ha ha. Um, Facebook, we have we actually have three. There's uh, Darkness Waits, um, Dead Woman's Hollow, which is our first film, and you can find us under Libmatic Films as well. And on Instagram, um, just under Libmatic Films. That's where I don't really do Twitter yeah. or anything. Awesome. <laughs> well, and you guys will be getting your invites into the Indie Brigade online community too. So if you haven't gotten them already, so please make sure you join that and become part of the conversation, part of the bigger picture. And, you know, we've got all kinds of people who are, uh, are going to be in there over the next several months uh, working together and trying to figure out how to work together and see what we can all do to help each other out. So cool. make sure you do that. And, guys, it's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, and it was really neat to see those guys pop on and, and wish Thank you, you yeah, so definitely. much. Thank you for creating this platform for people to get together. And um, I hadn't heard about your vet program either, and I think that's an amazing thing. I, I want to learn more about that for sure. Oh, cool. Thank you very much. I'll, uh, you know, hit me up and I'll be happy to send you some stuff on it. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be the thing I, that I hope I leave when I finally split out of this life. You know? so. <laughs> well, you guys, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. We're glad you uh, liked the movie. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for watching it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I'm telling you, you guys know what you're doing. You guys have a good eye. You've got a good sense of story from front to back. And I think you did a hell of a job, especially with some of the stuff that you guys talked about, the limited resources and things you had here tonight. So I think you guys did one hell of a job with that movie, and and I can't wait to to see it take off and and, and be there to, to to cheer you guys on as you go. And next time we will definitely allow for more time. I do apologize. Oh, you're yeah, good. fine. This is wonderful. Thanks, well, you. That's just bad producing. <laughs> Spent too much time in hair and makeup again. Yeah, and with your with your picky talent, I know I'm an asshole. I'm really hard to work with. I know. 
We love you anyway, George. All right, guys, we will catch you next time. Thank you again. Right. See you Thank guys. You. See you. That was interesting. That was very cool. <laughs> I wish uh, I wish that everybody's feed was uh, Scott. I, I felt like I wanted to ask him, like, is the shooting bad over there in Baghdad? Like, there was so much delay. <laughs> <laughs> right and uh david was shooting from a cell phone i'm assuming also. yeah i think so i think there's still some maybe some issues with people joining from phones or something i don't uh, know that almost seemed more like an internet feed kind of thing it was freezing up uh I, maybe i don't I'm know on that i don't know i'm not and it was really cool to have brian with him i met brian at a convention that we were both doing several years ago he's just a sweetheart too so what a cool little moment to have on the Indy Brigade. Absolutely. I got mixed zero two. <laughs> I, I got Mick staring at me impatiently. So I'm gonna bring him up. Please do, please do. So wait, Mick, before you say anything, I gotta unmute you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, and you know we, what? Hey, uh, uh it, the muting rarely rarely works. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I got to do this before you say anything. Okay. Right? So everybody, shush for a second. Oh, the last card. Finally, the last card. Oh. That was weird. Okay, cut. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> All right then. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe want to want to tell some people what they might have just witnessed. Explain what that was. <laughs> you you owe us no explanation. Just maybe an answer out of curiosity. I I, I, uh, I was uh, doing a uh, um, uh, funding crowdfunding, and I put up a film for my book. Uh, behind the screams, uh, the one about Nightmare on Street Four, and um, I just got this idea that that you know it would be cool if I was doing like that Dylan thing, but but while I was doing it, um, somebody off screen was getting killed, right? <laughs> and the blood was splashing on me. So you didn't see all the rest of it, which was all the crowdfunding stuff that went on through the cards, but at the very end of it. You got the very end of it, which, which the most hilarious coded to the whole thing was my, one of my granddaughters, my youngest at the time, which, who was like a, about a year old at that time, um, her laugh is what you hear in the end, because <laughs> I I had thirty gallons of uh, fake blood, um, all lined up, and and my family all in a row in front of me. Everybody the bucket, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and um, my daughter-in-law camera, and uh, and we threw. And I have to tell you, the still off of it is amazing. The still off of it I put on the back of my book, and it is really funny. Here, let's see the. Uh... I'll get the still up in a minute. If that's oh, okay. You get me. Okay, fine. Um, anyway, you will produce that still. What? Joe will produce that. <laughs> yeah, do, do your job. <laughs> so, Keep me on a short leash. <laughs> yes, very easy thing to do. 
So uh, oh, you just made him just dip out. He's oh like, yeah, what this? the hell? Oh, is this something I said? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hey George, I gotta tell you the the camera angle that you have with the mic and everything. Yeah, could not be better produced. I mean, it it just it, you look serious. You you look like um like Orson Welles in front of the in front of a, a radio, you know, doing War of the Worlds. Awesome. You know? So you really, well, thank you. I produced all this myself. Yeah. Well, there, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the best I could come up with. So. <laughs> Mick, it's awesome to have you here, man. Seriously, and Joe, you know, after every episode, I, I you know, I, I, I send Joe a warm cup of tea and a blanket. And I apologize for all the. Yeah. <laughs> and he's back. Flowers and flowers. I prefer chamomile. <laughs> I know. Oh uh, yeah, no, no, no. It, there's a tea called Constant Comment. <laughs> Isn't that that email program you use when you're uh, marketing? I, I, I think it is. <laughs> but they stole the name. <laughs> Brother, thank you for coming on here Friday night, man. Yeah, you know, you're, you're welcome, you know. You uh, have got you've been knocking around this this racket as lo as longer than me. I mean, you know, I love it, man. That's what it's about, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? it, it, no, it, it's about, you know what? It's about outliving the people that pissed you off way back in the day that's Damn what right. look at that see that now 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 i gotta tell you that still is better than the film by itself it's an amazing still isn't it cool because you actually somehow or other i think that we actually got all 30 gallons in one shot my favorite <laughs> thing about it and i'm kind of pointing at my screen that nobody can see at this moment right uh, but trust me i'm pointing at the photo and i'm pointing at your face and I'm telling you, you've got this almost look of happiness and contentment <laughs> like underneath it all. And it makes me think about how fucked up our senses of humor are once you've made a horror film or worked in the horror industry or right. anything like that. Like things, we find things. Funny that nobody else <laughs> Well, you know, the, the thing is, is it's great because all, all all of filming um all of the industry and stuff through through the years and so forth and and it becomes true it has its all of its own language you know you, you know george you you've been there with me how many times in your life have you explained what a key grip and a gaffer was oh yeah man i I, I, I mean uh, other than you know, and the, you have to say two different things depending on on who you're talking to, because you know the, there's the well, you know the 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 key grip is is responsible for safety and anything that goes in front of a light. But then if you're talking to people that uh, are in the industry, then you go, well, you know what the difference between a key grip and and the gaffer is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, gaffer takes the uh, the uh, dishes out of the sink before he pisses in it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I like you too. I had to drag an old one up. <laughs> for a long time, Mick. I remember being on one of my first bigger sets when I was a kid, man. And man, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. They put me on lockup, and I let some truck drive through a fucking 16th century scene, and like, uh, 
you know, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy, you know, and I got jumped in at the end of like week one, I got jumped in by some of the, some of the union grip guys. And next thing you know, I, here I am some young wide eyed kid working under my mom's name, getting my ass beat by five grips. And, <laughs> and here comes one of the sparks and the sparks like stop it, get off of them, which was all I needed to get up and like grab a fucking, you know, see Stan Knuckle and take a swing. And next thing, you know, like, we're all in this huge brawl. And that was the fucking film set. That was the movie business of, of making movies back then. You know, now it, you're not allowed to like say I'm angry at you. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, is in the 80s, there was a lot of tension because the, the in the 80s and the early 90s was um, when the uh, supposedly the union older guys were, uh, you, you know, uh, living with all this new uh, non-union element mm -hmm. and um and of course you know we we always thought you know that that you know all these old men it was time for them to go and uh, <laughs> i just remember i was i was uh, working as a uh a set dresser as my own set dresser <laughs> Yeah. And, and the thing is, is if you're non-union, you showed up on the stage. You showed up at the uh, stages like uh, before six, and yeah. you had to be you had to be in your truck, and <laughs> because these were all cash deals, right? You know, and, and you remember you had to be in your truck and leaving by six o'clock in the morning because that was when the real drivers came down, and yeah. they didn't like us. And yeah. I I remember really screwing up and like like uh we didn't get out we started to try and leave at like 6 30 and and a huge you know one of the huge uh trucks just parks right in front of my truck yep and uh and i couldn't get out and and i got into because i'm not gonna say i was a hothead but <laughs> i would swing at somebody and I got into, and this is this is what I've often thought to myself: is that we don't do fights justice, you know, um, no. between two people in in film, and especially these days, you know, with the rigging and everything, because ninety nine percent of the fights that go on are the stupidest looking things in the world, right? Uh -huh. you, you know, it's like um, like like we're standing on the dock, and and, and you know, uh, he's tried to give me a sucker punch that went over my shoulder. Mm, right. Sure. And, and, you. And, 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 you know, I did a return punch that, that, you know, uh, literally uh, got uh, involved in his fat. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't find my hand. And, and, and you know, it, it, it was just, it was just, you know, one stupid after the other, and then all of a sudden, and, and you know, nobody could get hurt because you would have to be so much better at it than either one of us were, right? <laughs> and finally, it was like, and the, the only thing that you is walking with, you man, I'm out of here, man. I get your truck out of my way, you, 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 you fat. Rodent, you know, and, and that's as good as you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you'd go have a beer at the end. At <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, it was six o'clock in the morning. And, well, I, I and said it wrap. At wrap, yeah, right. Yeah, at wrap, you go to the drip truck and you get a beer. I have seen, but the thing is, is the tensions were always high. You know, I mean, um, and I have seen just some great, really stupid fights in my life. Hey man, are, I've seen some. I've seen some of that stuff, but I've seen some nasty shit too. I saw a bunch of a bunch of union guys drag a a big director behind a generator and beat his ass because he was being a disrespectful, pompous asshole. You know what I mean? And, and and guess what happened after that? He changed his whole tone, and the whole crew worked for him a lot differently than they did before he got his ass beat. Well, you know, you know what? what I, mean? I was I was working on Blade. Yeah. And, and Blade is notorious for how bad the director was on it. And um, uh, twice, uh, Blade had to be shut down because uh, because the crew beat the. Uh, director up, in including a guy that was on an overhead, uh, uh, on an overhead rigged camera, up overhead, and and uh, the director kept um, kept insulting him and insulting him, and he literally jumped down fifteen feet on the director. <laughs> you know, it was it was like, um, yeah, that guy was obnoxious though. There's was, there's crazy stories out of that movie, man. Oh, dude, you, know? you have you have no idea. Just one. Oh, it, it was a nightmare. It was a, I, I walked off of it three quarters of the way through. I finally said, you know what? <laughs> I've got to survive the rest of my life. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And no, no, it's it, funny because like, this is the indie brigade and, and you know, most, most of the people watching and most of the people uh, who are, who are out there doing it now, um, they, they don't have a, a frame of reference for what it used to be. I'm, I'm seeing the Institute 91 who's, <laughs> actually going to be on the show eventually. They said, sounds like it was like an old street gang blood <laughs> jumped in. No, no. It, it really, it really was. It really was. You know, you're talking about, you're talking about trucks blocking trucks. I was on another big movie and they said to me, go, go clear the, the frame, go clear base camp. Well, there were some trucks. And so I said, okay, there's the keys. So I hopped in one of these trucks and I moved this Ooh. truck. Man, oh shit! Boy. That was a mistake. I didn't know that I could get yanked out a truck window that that fast or that small <laughs> or a window that small, right? <laughs> exactly. You know? And I got and I got and it really was. That's what it was like, and that's how we learned. You know, and was, but but it was also you know film these days, and it's funny because I was talking to Rachel Talley about this uh, the other day. Uh, uh, we were talking about how. Um, that a lot of the rules of society have kind of seeped into the film business and it's a more gentrified place <laughs> because man, I gotta tell you shooting in the eighties was very wild west <laughs> because we had just assumed that we were one big, enormous illegal thing going down the road right. as a film. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. We were. <laughs> we could, because we were, yeah, exactly. Because we were, I, uh, I was working on a film called Breaking Two, and I was the construction coordinator. The electric and, boogaloo. We're the electric, all right. As everybody knows, it the electric boogaloo. By the way, my daughter uh, called me from a party once. Uh, like, like uh, she's twenty six. Uh, one of my later daughters. Uh, she's twenty six, and she called me up. She says, "There's this film that we were watching in an '80s party called Electric Boogaloo." <laughs> She says, and we're watching it. And somebody like turns to her and goes, "Hey, isn't that your name?" <laughs> 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 so, 
so anyway, I'm on this film, and so we have this. Uh, we uh, we built out this uh, building uh, in, in you know south south central e eastern uh, L L.A. and uh, <laughs> add this line of it was uh, kind of a probably a, a, a auditorium civic auditorium at one time, but really small, you know, and it was right at the end of a street that had a row of palm trees right down the middle. Boom, 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 boom. You know, that kind of boulevard thing. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is it wasn't like they were built up or anything. They were just in the middle of the street. Boom, boom, boom. Sure. So we built up all these platforms and everything. We painted the building in wild colors and stuff. And it was like, ah, kids, we're going to save the building. And, uh, you know, <laughs> It's like, let's put on a show. And so, <laughs> and so it comes the day of the big party outside, right? You know, the big, you know, put on a show, uh, dance party, right? You know, and just in the morning before the DP comes in and he looks and he goes, and this is thing that, that, that you don't realize now as a kid, he goes, we can't do the shot. So what do you mean? He says, well, that last palm tree <laughs> is is we can't get the back of the crane around it. No way. I mean, we can't get the swing on it to go over the party at all. It's going to block us no matter what because it didn't look like it was going to block them. But that's the thing is it used to be in the day you had big, heavy, really big, really heavy equipment that had to be dealt with, right? Yeah. And so I said, well, uh, okay. I'll take care of it. And then you're looking around and thinking, Oh, it's great. You know, we got the city up against us. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, everybody goes, well, how are we going to get a hold of the city? This, this is going to take us weeks to get rid of it. And I go, you know, I, I kind of got an idea. <laughs> and I called up one of those palm tree businesses, you know, that has that, 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 that thing that looks like a stick uh -huh. uh, that, on the back of a truck that goes up and down. Right. Yeah. 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 And I called one of those up and I said, okay, here's what I want. I will give you $800 yep. if you show up, if you show up two blocks away from that address, right? You know, I gave him, and, and, I'm, and I said, right at dusk. <laughs> and he goes, right at dusk. Yeah, it's right at dusk. I said, he says, well, what time is that? Well, <laughs> I I don't know. Whatever dusk is, you know, you, you know when it gets to the point that you can't see, that's when I want you there. <laughs> so, he, so he pulls up right at dusk, and I give him eight hundred bucks and told him what I wanted to do, and he backs, he backs around the corner. <laughs> so he comes to the boulevard backwards. <laughs> yeah, comes down, comes down, literally with the the boom up and backs up to that tree and. And we slapped a chain around that son of a bitch, jerked it out. I never saw him or eight, or the eight hundred bucks again. And then we behind the building, the miracles building, we had like wheelbarrows of dirt and, and we brought up and we dumped the dirt in and we put some asphalt on it and then we scenic painted it. Right, right. Gone. Literally seven minutes at the most. Right. Yep. And so in the morning. The morning that we're actually doing the filming just i mean literally we were there at five o'clock in the morning and we're up on the top of the building we're looking down and we're getting prepped and ready and all of a sudden somebody goes oh he's coming out he's coming out and it was the guy whose house was right in front of the palm tree right and so 
we, we all everybody rushes to the side of the building. We're looking out. We're just everybody's. And so, and then the guy comes out of his front porch, right? And he has, and and he goes to get his newspaper. And newspaper kitties is this little paper thing that was rolled. Anyway, anyway, so he he goes out to get his paper, and he goes out, and he's got that little, you know, that little tiny picket fence, right? You know. Sure. sure. He opens his, he's in his robe, you know, everything you would think, the slippers, the robe, all that. And he opens up the little gate and he goes out and he picks up his paper, you know, just like, you know, the coffee in one hand. Picks up his paper, walks back to his gate, starts to walk back to his house and he stops. And he turns around. <laughs> he, he looks down the street. <laughs> kind of looks it up and we all duck. <laughs> he looks back down the street and he looks straight across and he just kind of and he turns around and walks back in his house and we're yeah! <laughs> you know it's funny because what what people don't realize is that it, it literally used to be like that there wasn't anything that like there wasn't anything a film crew couldn't do. Oh, it's nothing. Absolutely yeah. not. And filmmakers you know, filmmakers immunity. Filmmakers immunity. Yeah. No, wait, wait a second, guys. Guys, one thing we didn't actually do, and I do apologize, is, hey, Mick, for the people out there watching this right now, who the hell are you? Oh, <laughs> oh uh, Joe has this phenomenal way of really timing his jump yeah. in right when a wow. conversation found a yeah. dead zone. Thanks, that Joe. Was, that was great. That, yeah. Brutal. Just waiting for that, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I needed to refill my drink because mix on, and I figured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. You know, usually when I come on, I go, you know what? This could take a while. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Mick Stron. I I was a, a, a construction coordinator, and then an effects uh, man, and then effects coordinator, and then a production designer, and and effects designer. From about 1982, 81 on, um, up up until I retired about five years ago. And but most of the stuff that I did in the last ten years was a uh, what I call a uh, big fix it items <laughs> that I can't talk about. <laughs> and I really don't want to. So. <laughs> but but I I did an awful lot of uh, I either designed the effects or the sets on. Um, uh, a lot of films that are still popular today, which surprised the hell out of me four years ago. Um, uh, I did sets on Mortal Kombat. I did uh, that weird little Corman's Fantastic Four film. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4 were my designs. Uh, a lot of them effects and the sets and the whole feel of them. Um, I did The Hidden, Night of the Scarecrow, Hercules, uh... I think uh, Critters, I built the town, it built and designed the town for Critters too uh, when they lost their town. Uh, and I fixed that. I uh, I came in, was a fixer upper on Candyman, kind of took that one over and um, bought Hercules, this, that, and the next thing. Uh, I don't know. Literally, I got into the point to where I'm old enough that I have to look up my own career on IMDb. <laughs> Listen, I think this is one of the reasons that we're, we've started sort of hit it off as well as we did is that, you know, I came up uh, a few years after you um, got started and um, I came up doing a lot of the same, you know, I came up the roughneck way, you know what I mean? Right. 
Yeah. And and that's really what it was. And 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 what I was gonna what I was gonna say before Joe was an asshole and interrupted. Um, <laughs> before that, there was a moment. Oh, he didn't that? pop up. I thought for sure that'd get him to pop up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, where, where, where does he go? Do you have like maybe, a he just, or maybe he's like you know what? Fuck you, Romero. <laughs> <laughs> you have a closet that you put him in when you're not using him? No. Maybe. <laughs> maybe no. Impossible. I could have. No, but what I was going to say is, you know, I, and it's funny because when guys like you and me start talking about like the way it used to be and the roughneck shit, you know, and, and even when you were talking about the actual production design, you were going, well, we're doing this party thing and blah, blah, blah. A lot of people watching don't realize like just how much work goes into that stuff. Oh my and God. so there's, there's all the roughneck stuff and there's all the fun stories and the battle stories and the battle scars and everything. But what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, I mean, even on these big budget things and these union things, like I did a movie back, uh, I worked on a movie back in 95 up in on Hog Island outside of Boston near Salem. And uh, it was a 40-minute pontoon boat ride over in the morning and a 40-minute pontoon boat ride back at night. And anytime you needed to do anything, it was that. And we had the National Guard barging shit over. And we had, you know, that kind of stuff. And <laughs> dump trucks full of ice, shaved ice because we had to shoot right. snow. And then the fucking ice all melted into giant ice cubes and dump trucks. And then two days later, it snowed anyway. So it was like 350 grand the movie didn't have to spend and all this shit. But, like, we worked our ass off. And I would work, you know, 36, 48 hours with no sleep or even oh, yeah. in Oh, and, what a, you know what I mean? But oh, yeah. it, was the, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And even though some guy hit me with a wrench and I hit him with a cease pan, we literally ended up drinking each other under the table <laughs> at the rap party. And we're still friends to this day. It, okay. it, it was, you know, the weird thing about it is, it, and I did the snow on, on a uh, runaway train, you know, yeah, uh, that, you know, it, it was, <laughs> we were big and crazy. And it, it was it was the last most craziest uh, things that you could one of the craziest things that you could do for a living was it, it, and you know what the thing is is it absolutely it was a time like like look at Nightmare on Elm Street four I, yeah. mean, I mean just as an example look at the grave the junkyard right yeah um, we didn't realize at the time that that you just wouldn't do things like that anymore you know you wouldn't you wouldn't I mean we went out and stacked. 300 cars, eight cars high and, and, and built in all this rigging and all the rest of that just to get a look. And we, and we did it in a very specific way and, 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 and meticulous. It was incredibly hard work. And, and the thing is, is 10 years later, uh, you know, 10 years later, 50% of it would have been comped. Uh, you know, 20 years later, uh, it would be done on a soundstage, uh, with a green screen, right? <laughs> yeah. There'd be like one car. On the <laughs> <stage>. <laughs> there'd be a car, right. And, 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 um, the thing is, is we were actually going across, we were figuring it out as we went across town and, and, you know, you survived if you had the biggest, baddest, best idea <laughs> you really did and, and the horror community was a really specific group of people you know i mean yeah. you knew i knew all the other designers i i knew all the effects people and 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 we would actually kind of warn each other if we were working because the producers didn't talk to each other they always thought that they had the best idea right right and, and so you would try and make sure that you weren't duplicating somebody else's effect 
<laughs> you know, somebody was, you know, doing uh, was doing something. You go, oh, you know, yeah, I gotta call Kev because I think uh, I think Kevin's kind of doing that rig right now. So we really right. we don't want to come out with the same thing. <laughs> right. And and if he is doing that, then that means mine's got to be bigger and the better. Mine's got to be bigger and better. <laughs> there was like a bit of a big swing and dip thing to it, it back then too. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. That was the way that you had to walk around. I mean, you, you really. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is, you walk around town and you had that look you yeah. know i you just were like you, you know because uh i mean for me specifically uh i had 20 years of being the, uh, the king the king of a particular kind of uh you know big budget low budget kind of look you know right. uh, and and then eventually i kind of uh uh became a, a fixer in, in the business you know because of that you know and you're right it's kind of a it was kind of a swinging dick thing and but we all got along you know we, sure. we just we had a great time together that's, all, what all was. that's what it was it was like i i said earlier in tonight's show you know like there's i have a producer friend of mine who's pretty big pretty big producer guy he once told me he said look you breathe rarefied air oh yeah you know what i mean and and back then that that air was even more rarefied because you couldn't, you know, other than 16 millimeter, you couldn't go oh, and make a fucking movie with your phone. We we laughed. We laughed about 16 millimeter. You know? And the thing is, is also, you know, you and I went through some of the most interesting stuff because we, I tell people this, look, in 1934, if you had walked off of a stage and you were a grip and you'd walked off of the stage and you'd walked back into the stage, hey, did I lose everybody? No. Oh, oh there, there we go. <laughs> if I walk back, if if you walk back into a stage and and you were the grip in in 1984, everything would have been pretty much the same. I mean, yeah. you would hell, you were you still even Panavision was still using cameras that were that were bait that were the basis of the camera was built off of the Mitchells that all the 35 millimeter Mitchells that came off the bombers that moved us out of 16 millimeter. I mean, that's yeah. exact, you know, I'm telling you that things were still big. Things were, you know, and the things that we were doing in the eighties is we were kind of like combining things a little bit differently, but we weren't doing anything new. You no. know, I, I, uh, I think that we had learned how to combine things a little bit better. Uh, you know, especially on the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I mean, you know, um, but but then the 90s came and the 90s was like experimentation, you know, yeah. and we did. And and like we got things of like like one of the things in the 90s was uh, playback. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, is, is 1919, we, we were shooting uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three or four. I mean, you literally looked at the first AC and you said, well, did we get it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because he was the only guy that knew what it looked like. Literally, yeah. He was the only guy that knew what it looked like yeah. until, until the next day. Until yeah. We're looking at and, and people these days cannot even conceive what that's like. No. I mean, that's really that's really a complicated concept right there. I shot a piece. I shot a thing on thirty five millimeter with an old uh, Airy BL two, right. um, and uh, I wanted everything. The thing was a, was a period fifties thing, so I wanted everything. I, at this point, I thought, well, fuck it. 
So I, I think the newest thing I used was a set of lenses from like 1958 or something. Right, right. And my all my tech. And so I had this, you know, this sort of rigged video tap from this camera that wasn't really a video tap because they weren't a thing. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it was. It was like, it was like, uh, it was, well, did we get it? Check the gate. Fucking, right, right. Let's, but, but, let's check it out tomorrow. But you know what it did is, is it made... It made a line that you didn't cross. I mean, you. The thing is, is that the thing that the two thousands have broke down, and and I like to think that I'm here to help with this. But in the two thousands, all of a sudden, the price of all this equipment uh, just plummeted. You know, yeah. I, I I I mean, you know, we made a big. There was a big difference. If you wanted, if you wanted to do a short film in the middle of the 80s what was your biggest problem you know it as well as i do money well yeah but not only just money where did you spend all your money right. in, exactly. in developing your in buying your film right yeah. and, and somebody had to give you equipment <laughs> unless you were that kid who always went down to the to the lab in town and had those relationships exactly exactly but but at the same time you know the thing is is if you did a, a small film Today you can do a great film for let's face it, you can do a great small film for you know under five thousand dollars really easily. It wouldn't buy your film back then. No, it literally was not going to buy your film. And so now here's what we have: we have all this great equipment that's in the hands of virtually everybody. Mm -hmm. But that one hundred years, that one hundred years of, of film experience is. It is not there because the, the business itself was terrible about letting any of the any of the things that they had learned in 100 years out. There are very few people out there that are out there to let you know, you know, how we actually how we did it. You know, why things work and why things don't. And, okay. and you know, how just even the basics of production design or the basics of effects or, or the or lighting. You know, or or lighting, you know, lighting is or, or or editing. Lighting is such a mystery to people, you know. Or why you might need more than a zoom lens, <laughs> or that, you know. And the, and the thing is, is I I I I recently did Vengeance, which is the most recent um, thanks uh, that uh, that the first time that I ever worked without getting paid. <laughs> Tell you the truth, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and. Uh, and I had a great time, but I was a little suspicious of people that, you know, uh, they're not suspicious, but I kept, I honestly, I was like, well, what's your motivation? Why are you giving three days up of your life to, <laughs> to come into this? I don't understand. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I, I did get it after a while, you know, it, it just because I guess it, you, you know, it is fun. I mean, it, it's it, it's a it's kind of a blast, and uh, and I'm trying to I'm getting used to that. Uh, at the same time, is I'm starting to move into executive producer roles and so forth because you know I really kind of want to help out. I, I, I want I want more people to know. You know, I was the one I trained an awful lot of people. 
yeah. an awful lot of people in the business. Uh, the head of the IATSE was, you know, uh, was a, uh, literally a guy that knocked on my door and, and worked with me for, you know, five years. And, and, uh, he's the head of IATSE now, you know, um, uh, Dave Cunningham. And, and the thing is, is he, you know, there's an awful lot of effects people that I trained, you know, uh, Tom Bellissimo, uh, uh, Andre Ellenson, you know, a, a lot of these guys, you know, that, our tops in their business, you know, originally came, you know, to me in the beginning. And, and it was because I would take people on and, and train them as I went along. I figured that way, that way I'd get them to hang around for like maybe three or four years instead of just uh, one film. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Absolutely. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I've look, I've helped a lot of people in this business and it's funny. The ones that won't take your calls anymore. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I haven't tried to call many of them. <laughs> but you know, but here's the thing, and this is interesting because you touched on something that I think is, you know, I think I, I think it requires a little expansion. You said something about, and you're right. You know, everybody's got lower price equipment. I've got. I don't have my phone on me right now, but I've got a 4K camera and the ability right. to make that 4K oh, camera look, look however I want to make it look. Look, right, say, right, right here. This thing right here, that's a $500,000 camera package going down the road in 1980, right? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and you're going and you're looking at a budget in 1985 and you're going, really? You've only got a half million here for camera? Yeah, it's for camera. You know, what do you want? One, what, what, you want to shoot this whole movie with one camera? Well, what? You you're know? not going to have any cranes? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hey, or what about... What about a Tyler mount on a helicopter? Right, well, you don't need well, those anymore. Well, I, I got one for you. It's, and think of how it's changed so many other things. Think of this. It used to be that you would get a crane and you would use it, and it was really standard to use it for the opening shot and the closing shot. And you know why you did that? Because you shot them on the same day. That's right. <laughs> those two shots. Those two shots. That's what you could get because it was such a pain in the ass to set those shots up, right? So uh -huh. you got two yeah. shots. And so yeah. you, put it, you open the camera, you open the film with it, and you close the film with it. And Robert Altman, man, he made a film, uh, I can't remember the name of it anymore, where he mocked the hell out of that. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, but, but, you know, that's because the whole process was so, you know, involved. And, uh, yeah, it's just I mean, just amazing. There was a film I watched that was called Break In, where you're following a woman down the hall. You're you're in front of her. You're leading her down the hall mm -hmm. in this big house, and and the camera gets ahead of her, goes across the living room, goes out the front door, all in one shot, up on top of the house, over the shoulder of a guy who's looking down inside of the uh, you know the skylight. And you go over his shoulders, he jumps in, and the camera follows him down, follows him into the house, back in, you see him land. And it's one shot. <laughs> and you know, you know from looking at it that it was just a single shot, right? Yeah. Absolutely. We didn't do that. <laughs> no, you couldn't do that. You, you know? couldn't I mean, do that. There were a lot of limitations, but you but but you made a specific comment. You said these people today. These young folks today, they don't have the the benefit of the hundred years of experience they don't, because, right. because the industry doesn't put it out there. But right. see, here's but here's the point, right? Like, so you so 
say you watch a, a, a film that somebody shot on their iPhone and it's, it's all handheld and you've seen a million handheld films before and you've seen oh, right. the handheld stuff in Altman and yeah. you've seen the handheld stuff in Michael Mann's stuff right. and you've seen the handheld stuff in all the big shit. And for some reason, this handheld stuff shot on the phone doesn't look the same and the filmmakers going, I don't get it. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. So, but, what, but what people don't realize, and and I, you know, and I think you'll agree with me on this, is that you know the same handheld look and feel that me as a viewer has been trained to accept, and my brain has been trained to accept from the Michael Mann films and the Altman films and the big budget shit, right? That's been what I, as the audience, have been trained to interpret as handheld, and it's because there were five to seven guys <laughs> moving that giant fucking camera around. Right. You had yeah. the operator, the first AC, then you had all the guys with the bags and the sandbags and a whole crew of people moving the camera for handheld. Well, and and the other thing is this, is, is you had guys holding lights. Right. And, and pointing things at specific spots. The thing is, is this, is it's all that knowledge of knowing how to pull that, knowing how to pull those shots together, uh, you know, I like. There's so much basic stuff that that just is not understood anymore. I mean, you know, uh, but it's not I, taught. It's not taught. Well, it's not taught. But you, you know, you try and get out there and go. Well, you know, the, you, you know, lighting has a warm side and a cool side, and and you start from the basics. You know, and you and and pe you know, people want to know why, and you're like, well, it's a matter of dynamics, and and it's it, you're, it's it's, yeah. it's and you have to you. The thing is, is a lot of times it's long explanations for little tiny actions. And, and a lot of this has, I'm trying to bring a lot of that stuff into prep because films aren't, aren't prepped the way that they used to be, you know, films uh, aren't dangerous anymore, man. Yeah, well, that's you know, my whole hashtag is films used to be dangerous, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, no, that's, that is man. It's a, a sound stage is Dangerous place, boy. You know, like, oh, yeah. man. Everything from the act of doing it all the way through the message behind it and the filmmakers who weren't afraid to put shit out there that were going to piss people off. Oh, films used to be dangerous. Now yeah. you're not allowed to upset anybody. Now you're not allowed to, you know, yell at anybody on your set, even if you've got 30 seconds till sundown and, you know, you need that whatever. Oh, know. I yell at everybody, though. I was the first day. I was the first yeah. day on, on Vengeance. Uh, I, I think everybody thought it was just a cute affectation. Mm. <laughs> With me, they just think I'm an asshole. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not far from the truth. Well, there you go. But, you, know, you know, but, but no, I mean, you know, like, like, look, for instance, if this is my phone, right? I don't have my phone, but if, if I'm right. shooting and I'm holding my phone like this, what am I? I'm holding the entire sensor. Right, my all of my movement, every single thing is right there on that sensor that's recording the image. Right, you know the reason handheld looks the way it used to look is because you had your lens and you had your film and you had everything that was important to get that image onto that film, and you had six hundred pounds of <laughs> and support around you know it. And then again, and then again, when you were holding and moving six hundred pounds. It didn't shake. It kind of moved a little right. bit. It, it moved. It's a right. different matter. It really was, you know. Right. So but. when I, when these DSLRs hit the scene, and I got into those pretty big at the time, I actually built a cage for my. I had a Canon 5D Mark II. I still have it, and I had a cage that I built for it, 
So when I wanted to go handheld with it, I would put it in my handheld cage and it weighed 65, 67 pounds. So, well, yeah. And it was to get the same thing. So my whole body would move. So it wasn't me going, oh, I'm handheld now. Let me get the camera <laughs> exactly. over here. Wait a minute. Why doesn't this look like Steven Spielberg? You know? And, and it would take your entire body and it would take somebody to guide you. Running but you know what? I, I, I got to tell you, though. You know, bottom line, I love the I love the enthusiasm of youth on the sets. You know, I, I love I love being around the I, I, I love being around. uh uh, I love the creativity that you can show with all this equipment. Uh, I, I think that once sometimes, or it's common, you, you get beyond the basics of it. You start to teach some of the basics and they're going to come up with some great stuff. I mean, we're going to come up with this stuff together. And some of the films that have been coming out lately, there's uh, writing is better than it was. I mean, really, you know, writing has evolved uh, enormously. I mean, I don't mean bad writing because bad writing always remains bad, but good writing has gotten better than it than it ever ever has been, you know. And and, yeah. and pulling this stuff together, some of the ideas that you know, like Dave made a maze or what we do in the shadows, you know, these films are, are just showing showing us a new a new edge all the time. And and, and I want to be out there to help make that edge, you know. Um, I, I've got a. Uh, some things that I'm attached to now that uh, I'm I'm proud of, um, and and I'll I'll figure out a way to turn out uh, to turn a uh, to turn a profit now pretty soon because I I think that uh, with more streaming coming in I think that we can go out and we can make some more great films kind of like back in uh, my non-union days you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, Ed was talking earlier on in the show about just that. And, you know, I agreed with what he was saying, but he was kind of had a bad connection. We didn't really get to expound on it too much. And what you're saying is in line with kind of where I would have liked to have gone with a little bit more of that, which is, you know, basically he was saying drive-ins killed drive-in, you know, and all that stuff. And he's right. But basically we've got to, we've got to find a new frontier, right? Well, like there is no new frontier except streaming in the internet, but it's like every man for it. Everybody's running around with their shovel and their gold pan pan. I tell people this all the time. This is nine. This is 1919. Yeah. Okay. In 1919, you just figured your equipment out, right? You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're doing silent film, but you just figured out what the, uh, how the silent film work work sure. and, and you're starting to get your equipment down. Okay, and between that and 1934, the distribution system mm -hmm. and uh, was kind of started from scratch, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, basically, you were working on a distribution system that was based on plays in theaters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And 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 you were you were working towards that, uh, uh, and and it was a brand new nascent thing, you know, just 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 everybody ex experimenting and going left and right. That's what today is, man. You just, you just refigured the equipment, right? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, digital has changed so much more than, pe than people think. I mean, by far, I mean, you know, the, the God, you know, the concept, just, just think about this for a minute. I had a friend who sent me a script, right? He sent me a script, but he wrote it 15 years ago, and his computer 
didn't didn't update and stuff and and so you basically lost it yeah the digital version of it so he sent me the real version of it you know actually the paper version of it uh-huh. <laughs> and, and i had to type it type it out and then send it back to him and i think sending it back to him copying it and all the rest of that cost me like 20 bucks oh my god <laughs> to myself i thought to myself this is a perfect example of what it is like nowadays because we pass ideas for free we pass yeah. huge concepts, you know, just digitally, just pass them back and forth and back and forth. You got to take advantage of that, you know, and, uh, yeah. and, and I'm just super hyped on, on, on this time. And, uh, it's a good time for me. You know, I, I kind of, my sister died, uh, six years ago, uh, and, uh, she was a pilot and she, uh, had a plane wreck and she and I had worked on and off of on different films and different projects. I'd work for her. She'd work for me or we'd work together, whatever. And, um, and I kind of moved out of Hollywood and, and one thing that was really nice and really interesting is moving away from the business, kind of like taking some years to get my breath and stuff. And, and then coming back in on vengeance, you know, to, to this, to the, uh, completely different equipment to you know complete to to on the on the other side of the scale not on the not in the studio work anymore sure it opened my eyes and also it opened my eyes you know the first that i actually got on facebook and and, and you know paid attention and and <laughs> i remember five years ago uh walking in with my uh, uh brand new uh iphone to my wife and going look there's people out there know my name <laughs> can yeah. you believe that <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. You know I'm excited about everything you have going on too, and I hope that you'll I hope that you'll be part of our online community here, and I hope that you'll you'll get involved with some of these young folks and help them. You know, I mean that's the whole point of this. This, you know, um, I can I can totally feel where you're coming from, man. I really can. You know, and I hope that you'll get involved, and I hope you'll jump in. And obviously, we're small at this point; we're just starting out. But I mean, we're going to grow it with if more people like you are are willing to join in and and join in the conversation and and help spread that knowledge. That's the whole point of the Indie Brigade. Is I I'm here to blow the roof off of all that shit that the industry won't teach the up and comers anymore. And they have, you know, I, somebody taught me, and it's time yeah. for it's time for that shit. That's what's what is knowledge if you don't pass it on, right? That's this. It's it's absolutely you know it it it's a tragedy. And and, and the thing is, is just just because you have the equipment. <laughs> just I mean, you know how to use it. Doesn't mean you don't. Don't mean you know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't the size of the hammer, right? It's how yeah. you <laughs> well, it's what my wife said, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this has been awesome, Mick. I, you know, I, I hope that this is the beginning of a of a of a, of a lifelong friendship. Here. I hope so. I yeah, have a feeling you and I can can can, we can tell some stories. Maybe when half the world isn't well, watching. We. We just killed an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> Look how red Joe is. I wonder what we did. Yeah, to what, what did we say, Joe? Is there something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's he seems strangely quiet right now. Yeah, hmm. maybe it's that mute button. Uh, it, it is. <laughs> you can. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hey, you know what, Joe? I have to tell you, you've been a little bit less than a tour de force in the uh, in the old uh, technical market today. 
Well, you know, you mentioned earlier that you were an executive producer. I hear there's an opening. (laughs) (laughs) What, did you take a job in the middle of the podcast? (laughs) I I think you're going to have to find a new Joe Wrigley. (laughs) Wow, did he say Wrigley? I I am not a field. I am not a gum. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I think you can be good at both. <laughs> I'm used to being chewed. Thank you. There you go. That's a perfect example of the fact that you can die from encouragement in this bit. Yeah, show. that's right. Right there. <laughs> uh, just as long as I get my name right. God damn it. <laughs> this was awesome. <laughs> Mick, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Oh, listen, you, gonna... listen, uh, you, you know what? I, I enjoyed the living hell out of myself and, uh, uh, you, <laughs> I think that you and I get along uh, strangely well. Yeah. And you know what? Here's some of the stuff I want to start doing on this podcast. I want to start coming on and you said you're working on some stuff. (laughs) I want to actually have like full on like meetings about shit and put it on a fucking podcast for people to watch. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like when people figure out how to work together and stuff, I want those people to come on and, and have conversations about projects. Well, like- I have I have a new project that I'm doing that's that's also uh, it's another um, it's another uh, fan film. Uh, it's a Freddy fan film. All right, uh, you know who that guy is, right? Yeah, I think I've I've seen a uh, like a something about him. Yeah, uh, that guy. Uh, uh, as it develops, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll talk to the guys and see if, if we can actually maybe check back in with the podcast that would and, be great. And, and, and literally uh, kind of air out how we're moving from point to point. Because, I would love that. Cause I just had my first meeting. I, I just had my first meeting with the director and, um, and I told him, you know, my ideas, it, 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 it was amazing. Uh, just in the background, people. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking to the director and the, the writer. You know, writer is Matt Shaw. Uh, uh, the director is Jeremy Brown. Um, and uh, this is the first time I talked to Matt Shaw. I mean, Jeremy Brown was the one that did Vengeance, and uh, and it, it was interesting what he told me. He said, "Well, you're going to have, you, you know, you're going to have problems here and problems here with talking to him about this." And I laid it all out and said, "Well, I think that we should change this and this and this and this." And I and I think that you're actually going in this direction and stuff. I don't think that we had any any problems in communication. So, uh, you know. I'll try and give you a blow by blow as we go all the way down the line and try and bring these guys on to talk about it. How about that? That would be great. And, you know, and again, anything we can do like that on the, on the show or in the online community for folks to learn from. And, you know, uh, just basically, you know, I'm hoping people are going to start putting up, uh, you know, challenges and things that they're running into with their own productions in the online community. And maybe, you know, there'll be folks like us who can chime in and say, Hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Or have you tried this? Or have you, you know, just, you know, those, I am up, I am up for questions and advice at any time. So am I. And, uh, and, and that's one of the things that I think is really important that people know about the brigade here. So, uh, you know, and it means the world to me that you came on here on Friday night and man, I love love having fun with you. So, you know, we need to talk offline about some shit too. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, I would love that. Now let's turn it back over to Joe who just looks sad. 
No, actually, what I was thinking about doing is a whole YouTube video <laughs> about how to use a mute button. Can <laughs> <laughs> you keep Look it under 27 minutes? <laughs> you know what you could do is you could go to the library and you could check out a book on it. You have to now, look in the card catalog. Yeah, with the Dewey yeah, Decimal the Dewey System, Decimal. yes. <laughs> hey, you know what? That reminds me of something. I, I, and I'll bring this up because very few people actually know this. Here's a little nugget out of the 80s and out of the days before that. On top of one of the stages, MGM used to be the uh, the uh, resources, uh, production resources library. Okay. And it was this enormous, it was like the size of a stage, you know, the same footprint as the stage, but it was just the absolute top of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you went in there and there's a couple old ladies that were born um, before Lincoln's time. And they, they knew every scrap of paper in there and it, they had books, they had uh Every book itself, like, had a bunch of stuff, a bunch of pages, like, uh, torn pages out of, like, newspapers or or magazines and stuff put into the pages just, just that were referenced to that particular book. And you would go in and say, I need to know, I need to know, get reference on a, a samurai sword. Sure. Right? Of a particular family. And, and they would have, you know, like an entire set of shelves devoted just to that, to the look of it, the history of it, the, the everything that you could possibly imagine. And this is what we had before the internet. And, and, and it was our, it was the same reason. And, and we had it for the same reason that we've got the library of Congress. You know mm-hmm. why the library of Congress started is because our lawmakers in the very beginning had to find information about things that were, that were as varied as, as the world itself. Yeah. That's what we had to do to look at things. And that was what we had as a resource that wasn't the internet. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was ever, I, I remember my dad's, uh, you know, his like writing room and creative room was nothing but like books on the most random shit, like right. from right. posters to guns to, you know, and it was, and, and that was how I learned to research stuff. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Or, or, or good old trial and error. I, I went, I went to New Zealand in, in like, uh, or not in New Zealand, but I went to Alaska in '86, I think, something like that, uh, and and worked on runaway train, and we had to learn, we, we had to figure out a way to operate the train without being seen, and sure. and the braking systems. So, so we over override would override everything we're learning on the we're learning on the spot and as i was walking away i thought you know what i can override the entire brake and throttle system of a gps 40 and that's the most (laughs) piece of information you can have in the world (laughs) i know it's crazy and you know and it's we became experts literally we became um jacks of all trades right that's right no and 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 you know the thing about master of none bullshit (laughs) yeah i know because you literally have to because if you're going to sell the if you're going to sell the lie on screen right yeah i mean what the lie was (laughs) yeah now it's all different i i I used i used to call it being a professional amateur yeah i you know what i've heard that before 
Yeah. And I used to hear that on set. Hey, man, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? I'm a professional. Uh, yeah, a lot professional of professional amateurs. It's usually what you would say. And and you know what? It leads to absolutely nothing good and, yeah. and, and is absolutely the worst possible way to get a job somewhere else. Yeah. That's pretty... why you stuck to the business is because you weren't qualified to do anything else. And you weren't welcome anywhere and else. Because... Absolutely not. Because <laughs> you were a freak. That's you were one... absolutely you were, you were one of them. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and we just yeah. realized how dangerous Nick is with breaking <laughs> systems. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do, man. We got years and years to catch up on. <laughs> Brother, I got to wrap this up. Okay, guys. Uh, but it's we're going we're over time here, so I got to wrap oh, it up. By the way, that never happens to me. Yeah, me no, neither. Never. Me neither. Never. I've I never think, gone over time before. Yeah. You know? I don't think I've ever stopped a podcast even on time close to it. I, 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 I've been cut off in mid sentence. <laughs> well, I'll never do that to you. Not, but, not uh, for nothing. Joe, Joe Wrigley Joe Wrigley had him on a couple of times <laughs> and he never went over. Yeah. Never yeah. Joe Wrigley? Joe Wrigley. Joe never Wrigley. heard of her. Yeah, <laughs> You know what? I, I have dentures. It's that's a hard D. It's kind of hard to get in there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And um, as brother. you would say, Mick, that's what she said. Yes. So listen, so where can people find what you're doing? Where can they oh, find yeah, you yeah. on social media? Uh, All let, time for the plugs. Okay, here's the plugs. Uh you can always uh if you DM me, uh you can get me on Facebook. Uh if you're halfway interesting, I'll, I'll hook you up. Um, I'm mostly on Facebook, but I also have a couple of podcasts. Uh, one of them is Dream Warrior Review, where we review uh, a, a modern film and any other film that I want. And, and it's all about the tangents. And then uh, I have another podcast called Rabbit Hole that is just about tangents. Um, it's just me right. talking with TJ Bowser uh, about you know everything from spots on our shorts to uh, the late to uh, the last movie I worked on. Um, interesting, I guess, if you're that kind of guy. Uh, as other than that, I have a book called uh, Behind the Screams. Uh, it's all about Nightmare on Elm Street Four, and it's just absolutely amazing. You can find that at BehindTheScreamsBook.com. Um, and uh, other than that, usually you can hear me if you just stick your head outside of the door because I'll be yelling at somebody somewhere. <laughs> Mick, it's been a true pleasure to have you on tonight. I, I, I've had a great time. I really have. You, yeah, you, you and I are simpatico. Yeah, I think so. So <laughs> let's see where this goes. Okay, buddy. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you very much. See you, Joe. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Where I, I want to know where you go. Not a lot. I mean, not not a whole lot. With the gun in my hand, I still like to know where you go. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. Wow, this has been an interesting night. Yeah, they usually are. You and I make a pretty good team. I think so. Yeah. Even with the mute button. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I make such mean jokes to you, pal. That, that that's okay. I don't, I don't really. It's a it's a it's a hollow apology. Oh well, I still have hair, <laughs> and it's gorgeous. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much once again for killing it for me and for us and for the indie brigade. And hopefully, everybody will join our online community. 
I don't know how to tell you how to find it, but Joe knows. Um, uh, well, where are we on social media? Uh, you, go ahead. Tell him. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Indie Brigade on, obviously, uh, Facebook. We got a page. YouTube. Uh, Instagram, we're still kind of playing with. Then that Twitter, Twitter, whatever the hell it's called. The thing with the bird that you can only use like 40 words or whatever. Still can't get that down. No, well, I think there's more more now. Oh, is there? So, okay. Yeah. All right. I may need help then. Well, yeah, I don't think either of us really know. Just search for Indie Brigade. I think it's got a dot in it somewhere. And uh, is there anything else, Joe, before the end here? No, I think that's it. Um, what's right. your closing statement again? As always, please fuck off till next time. Good night, guys.